Hello, I'm Jane Daly and this is my podcast for people who know. As an independent thought leader, coach and work-life advocate, I'm curious about people who are accelerating their work and life. And whilst finding their own balance, they have also found time to inspire others to do the same. My interest in Laura Overton started when Laura and I were asked to present a case story at a conference. It's my absolute pleasure to welcome Laura today. Jane, love to have you. Maybe we create some, I'd love to be here, maybe we can create some new stories here today together. I'm excited about that. I totally agree, Laura. And it's a really interesting day because the day that we're meeting has um, two sides of an interesting coin, actually. It's the 40th anniversary of the death of John Lennon, but it's also the first day of the vaccines, the new COVID vaccines that are being given out in the UK. So what a day to meet and do this. Absolutely. These life and death moments, Jane, that we share together. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, Laura. And, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about what you're up to today, because um, you're up to some interesting stuff. Tell us about it. Oh, yeah, I've been having such a brilliant year. Um, I've had last two years actually have been years of learning. Um, And you know that I've had this interest in in organizational development and I spent quite a lot of time looking at that last year and this year um, I've had a great chance to work with some amazing people like Charles Jennings and Joss Arrett, Vivian Heinen and thinking about um, how we are looking at performance in a different way so bringing all of these different disciplines together has been very fascinating for me but I think probably one of my highlights of my year has been working again collectively with Michelle Ockers and Shannon Tipton on um, a series of conversations like this about how we as learning professionals can emerge stronger as a result of what's been hitting us at the moment. That has been just fascinating for me. You know, I'm a bit of a researcher at heart, Jane. So the opportunity to kind of investigate and look at the situation that we have with Um, curious eyes um, but with a way that actually builds up our profession has been really fascinating for me today and I think that actually building up the profession we need it more than ever Um, you know I think as a profession of learning people we've really been hit hard some of us this year Um, and it's it's kind of breaking my heart when I hear some of those stories and so how can we work with like-minded people you know like this podcast to build people up and to inspire and give new perspectives on how we can look at the challenges moving forward and how we can really add new types of value in organizations moving forward. So yeah, great year personally for for learning and curiosity and connections. How fantastic, Laura, to hear kind of learning in motion and with all the stuff that you've done in, uh, in the past to be able to kind of lay that down and take a new look at it and stand back and look at even more. So um, what a privilege, as you say, and what a year to be doing that oh as well. So, yeah. um, you know, it's like op- opening a treasure trove, is it? Definitely. So uh, are you up for coming in the time machine today? Absolutely. <laughs> OK, so let's step in. Laura, tell me what you see in this time machine. Okay, so I'm in the time machine and I'm kind of excited because um, in my time machine, I see mirrors, not because they are reflecting me, but because they provide an opportunity to reflect. So it's mirrors, windows and a chance to really say, oh my goodness, the things that have skipped by me 
a chance to go back and to think and say, what, what have I learned? What did it mean? Look at things with hindsight. So for me, I'm, I'm really excited to be in this, this time machine. In terms of uh, what I would like to drink, uh, possibly I might need a stiff drink, but we are recording <laughs> relatively early in the morning. So uh, <laughs> maybe I'll leave that one. I'll stick to my coffee. <laughs> stick to the coffee. We won't tell anybody what we maybe put in our wonderful hot chocolates in Berlin, but we'll stick to the coffee at the moment. Um, <laughs> So I'm going to set the clock at the moment uh, and uh, we're going to go back to 2001, which was a really interesting year. So let's arrive in 2001 and let me um, let everybody know what was going on in 2001. And it was a really interesting year because we we sadly had the 9-11 terrorist attacks, which are still impacting the world today but those visuals if anybody was around at that time or even if you watch camera footage they just you just can't get that stuff out of your head can you and, and particularly the aftermath of what we're seeing the youngest person ever Sherpa Temper Tsheri who was only 16 climbed Mount Everest unbelievable a 16 year old doing that and Kylie Minogue's song can't get you out of my head was one of the big hits of the year. Harry Potter, The Philosopher's Stone, was uh, taking the cinema by storm, as well as Ocean's Eleven. From a technological point of view, uh, we saw infrared smoke alarms and self-cleaning windows. Laura, what was happening for you in 2001? Well, it was a year that I can't get out of my head, to be quite <laughs> honest. <laughs> um, I have been uh, working for you know, a good part of my career from the mid 80s through to that year in technology enabled learning. And, uh, you know, so for me at that year, I was working, um, I was speaking at a lot of engagements, I'm still doing that still heading up engagements, I was working with the European Union on some new initiatives around technology enabled learning. And it was a year of kind of change I guess really because so much everyone was talking about technology you know the term e-learning had been introduced back in 1999 an organization that I was working with at the time to completely redefine what learning was in you know how do we use the internet to connect and engage make things real time make things personalized and, you know that was the vision of e-learning and by 2001 a lot of people were questioning that um, and because it couldn't quite work, the vision was there, but the technology wasn't quite behind it. So for me, I had some great opportunities during that year to have some very interesting conversations about what's working, what's not working. And for me, the 9-11 situation just was such a pivot point in our industry. And also the other thing that happened in 2001 was the Enron scandal. And that was, for me, it was a dual point of pivot for the industry that I was working in. I you know, given quite a lot of my life to learning innovation. How do we look at learning in fresh ways, new ways? How can technology allow us to do things that we couldn't do before? And then suddenly travel was stopped, very similar to today. 
and everyone's oh my goodness i've got to we've still got to carry on training so they were rushing into technology with hardly any experience making a complete pig's ear of it <laughs> um you know sort of like grabbing whatever tools and tech that they could have and then with enron as well the following year that had a, another negative effect because suddenly with sarbanes-oxley and all of the um rules and regulations that were brought in compliance flowed through and again technology was oh yes we can throw throw everyone through this online learning and for me that year was a year of change of in one sense of going from hope for a future that could be perhaps different and stronger as learning professionals using these new tools to one where actually we were making quite a few mistakes. Everything we'd learned in the 15 years, or certainly for me in the 15 years leading up to this, was thrown out of the window as everyone rushed into technology in and didn't draw on any good experiences or, um, and making quite a few mistakes. I think we're still living with, you know, even today. So it was a pivotal year. I mean, Jane and I, you, you and I have had, we've had conversations about pivot points of change and what you have to let go of ever since we wrote the, um, probably one of the most significant tools, maturity reports on, on uh, the transformation curve and how we need to let go. But that year was a pivotal year, I think, and a year that perhaps we still need to let go of because it's knock on effects now. Are, are are even stronger if, if that makes sense it really does make sense laura and i i totally agree with you re that you know the pivot points and people seem to sort of jump on a new something new and, and rush off to do it and don't consider the long-term effects um i was really interested in in what you were saying about we're still living with some of that today just give me a couple of examples that that you still see that that mean that we really do need to let go of some of that stuff well, I think that what we wanted to do, and you know, forgive me, I, although I, I'm learning all from these all different uh, sectors and disciplines at the moment, at heart, I'm a learning professional. I'm passionate about those who want to get involved with workplace learning and make a real difference and you know, add real value back into the workplace by the way that we connect and engage with people. So as a learning professional, I know that we tend to have one way of looking at things and you've covered this in several of your conversations so far on the podcast but you know we do programs we do initiatives we do courses and we have a view of doing it and one of the things that we we did then and we do now is that we take our programs and say oh my god I've got to do exactly the same thing online <laughs> and and that's one of one of the challenges that we and we're seeing it now in 2001, we were into e-learning, creating content, making those PowerPoints, click next, click next, click next, click next. And that's how we handled, let's put our courses online. This year, we've gone, put it on Zoom, put it on Zoom, put it on Zoom, and trying to do the same thing that we were doing in the classroom, but using technology. And I think that is the mistakes that we've been, we're living with moving forward that we haven't learned how to create hannah was talking about this with you about those experiences that help people connect and remember and engage and it's those experiences that we remember and that change our behavior rather than the content that's pushed into us through technology and, and typically i think that's one of the biggest challenges that we've had absolutely laura and i think that 
what you're saying there is is so profound but what is so challenging and you and I know this through um diving into data over many years um that's very deep um that 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 you know is 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 really valuable you were talking about this valuable data and we've really tried to put the word out there and say to people don't do this it does not work how many different times obviously not just you and I but many people across the profession and yet we still see that people still are on the same road and you know what we've really got to do is change the rhythm and change maybe some of the echoes that people hear because for some reason they're not getting that message are they yeah. Um, and I, I think as we look backwards, um, one of the things that you know, I totally agree with you, we've really got to learn is that enough, enough now, because that there is no evidence whatsoever that what you describe there works yeah. um, in any capacity. You know, it's this idea of, you know, you cannot learn to swim mm. by reading a book. You have to dive in at some point. Yeah. And you have to hand over that somebody has to experience and feel and reflect and be able to get it wrong and create that safety of being able to do that, because that's the only way you push through a barrier. And those are the kind of things that you and I were spending a lot of time with writing for people. How do we create that safe place where people feel they can trickle over that tightrope, which isn't easy. Yeah. But when you get over there, it really does bring so many different gifts yeah I think so I think the challenge that we have face is that um, it's not about what we do because we now know that we know what to do uh, you know it's it's as I say I, heard, I was listening to you your conversation with Yang and and our emphasis on performance consulting and how do we get aligned with the business and how do we use the right tools at the right place at the right time We know what to do, but what's fascinating me is why we don't do it. Yes, absolutely. Why we don't, let's look at this from a different perspective as why we don't do it. Um, And I was actually rethinking, I was looking at an article that I wrote um, pretty much four years ago on LinkedIn because we were tackling this issue then. Why is it, you know, through the research program that, um, I initiated actually just after 2001 because after 2001 everyone was saying technology doesn't work in learning because we'd, we'd done it so badly we'd rushed in got our fingers burnt and pulled out massively and yet at that time I had seen that some organizations were doing some really interesting things And so being able to move on and look at that and just investigate why is it that some are successful and some aren't, it all came down to business value. And over those years of of doing the research, of having such a wide body of industry, people connected with that research program, challenging me, challenging us as a team as we grew, um, allowed us to think differently. And a lot of the things that we surfaced are now common language now, but they're not common activity. And I think that that is because ultimately, and I, this is terrible, I don't believe that we believe in ourselves. And the article that I wrote four years ago started to tackle that. It was about mindsets. 
and what do we believe in and what is our response to change you know the irony is reading down that it was about change to technology to uh you know systems that are, are are moving around us where we have no control this was four years ago i mean obviously what's happened now is accelerated but i think it's our belief in our own value do we believe that we can contribute back to an organization and do we believe that we can do that in different and new and fresh ways as learning professionals um, and i think that's something that i've been really exploring in the last 18 months uh, massively just before we move forward laura i think that i'm reflecting on what you're saying and one of the ways that you and i met was as I mentioned these case studies that you and I were, were presenting and at the time I was adding so much value it was challenging because I was building um, a business-led academy model which was totally aligned which was to be honest with you a rarity in those days exactly. and so for you and I that's where we started to connect and really get under the skin of that obviously collecting um, evidence some of it was uh, related to the evidence that you and I were linked on. Others were, were was business evidence. Um, and also, of course, talking to people, getting them involved in the design, getting a movement going really within the organisation. Because the organisation that I was working for, M&S at the time, were also going through a very challenging time in the same way uh, of what we've mentioned with other businesses here today and you know organizations always have to be doing that you know they're yeah. under pressure all the time from competitors the market how they can be this how they can be that and of course those things have to move on and I think for me when you are able to demonstrate that value I went from a team of two to uh, 48 because I started to look after all of the programs for the organization as well which were hemorrhaging the most ridiculous money and you know people would come in and get loads of money for these kind of change initiatives and then they'd go right okay we're now over to learning and they wouldn't be aligned at all with what we needed so it's that idea of getting involved right at the beginning to go right we can of course bring in external experts to help us bring this change in but it's got to be aligned from the beginning from what we need so that was the reason that i think for, for you and i that 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 value was just oozing out of some of the work that we were doing we were able to share those case stories i think one of the challenges for me i do agree with you around the belief in it because i know that i had to really change the dynamics within the hr and l and d team that i inherited and then when I was looking to recruit people, it was very difficult because you ended up with people that came from all different places, which is great in some respect. But in terms of understanding what value adding informed learning was, that was nowhere on their radar. And quite frankly, even today, some of the ways that people are given advice and learning, and there's so much advice, it's overwhelming, are totally not valuable. Mm. So it's those understanding of what are those levers that yeah. unlock that value. Yeah. So I do think it is belief, but I also believe um, belief in what we can do. But I also believe it's there is a there's a need to be. And, and you know, I remember, Laura, you using this term a lot about what, you know, what if we could be um, so much bolder? Yeah. What if, you know, this stuff wasn't an issue? What else can we do? Yeah. And I think it was this idea of, of look we've got to try but I think when you try with the business and they're with you 
and you're looking over that cliff edge and you're thinking okay we're going to fly or we're not going to fly here yeah it's okay because we're all together and I think if you fly and you realize that put a little safety net in there and go look okay well that didn't work and then you can move on yeah we're actually doing agile and iterative stuff yeah all that time ago so for me it's not new now oh I'm doing agile it's not new it's this idea that you don't need this polished beautiful bowed box yeah it's just have a go you learn much more from getting it wrong yeah absolutely right Absolutely. Uh, the role of experiments, the role of having more of a growth mindset. Um, they're all very, very significant. But I think what that allows you to do as a starting point, and that's why 2001 was such a, an important year for me. It, there were circumstances that made change happen. And it was change that as learning professionals, we didn't fully leverage to our advantage. Um, but that belief in I add value, you believe that you can add a different type of value. That is a starting point. It means that you can have a different conversation back with business leaders. You can challenge them because you're, you, you're confident to say, look, I may not have come from your side of the business, but... I would like to ask you a business question because you know you have the confidence because you know your craft to be able to do that you also have the confidence to question what you're currently doing should should that be should that should we let go of that it also gives you the confidence and i think this is a really interesting thing for us now to do something different to say actually traditionally the way i have been adding that level of value is through this type of intervention However, what I have seen through my new eyes of believing is a new way, a new business model to add value. And that's something that I've really enjoyed working on and thinking about, um, you know, it's, it's what is our business model for learning and development? You know, we're seeing at the moment retail having to change their business model, restaurants changing their business models, yeah. Um, breweries changing their business models. Yeah, it's, it's we're, all of the organizations around us are having to question and change their business models and the way of work. And yet as learning and development, that's a perfect opportunity for us. You know, what, are, what are the services that we're providing that add the best value in the current world of work? And were the old ones, the ones that still relate and spending time with your Sarah's this year has really kind of stimulated my thinking it's made sense actually Jane of a lot of the stuff we were doing um, through the research program that had given us signals indicators about what works what doesn't but actually this concept of how do we change our business model is something that's really very powerful and we need to do that and it's exciting to, to be, believing that we can is, is the start point of all of this. Wonderful. And Laura, just before we move forward, what advice would you give your younger self? Oh, I think that the advice is don't let go of the things that you're passionate about, but work out where to channel that passion so that you can have the most impact. Um, and I think that's that's something you yeah, have. You can tell I just jumped straight in on this when you said, what were you doing? I was all about work, 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 you know, <laughs> I've always been passionate about this. And um, but how do you channel that passion to the greatest effect? How do you understand the politics in the room, in the industry, 
in order to work out how to make a difference. And to be quite honest, I think I would have also given myself advice as a woman in this business. Um, because I constantly felt that I was just being treated like everybody else. And the reason I wasn't necessarily progressing in my world, my industry, a, a pace I wanted to was because I wasn't as good as those around me. I realize now that I mean, basically it was mainly because I was a woman and a woman with a mouth on. <laughs> so I would be, I would be giving advice. How do you use that mouth? How do you advocate? How do you call things out faster in order to allow people around you to progress and for ideas to progress? It's about being political. It's about understanding who's around you, who's saying what and where your allies are. What great advice, Laura. And we shall pick up that thread a bit later, I'm sure. So I've set the clock again. We are off to uh, 2020, a terrain where, um, you know, it's coming to an end uh, now um, in so 2020. <laughs> what, what an interesting year. So, uh, you know, as, as, we, as we look out in 2020, uh, and it's been a very interesting and, and, and pivot pointing year we're certainly seeing a new era I know that you are so passionate about value but you know bring us up to date Laura bring bring some of those things you, you know you were saying up to date and tell us what you what you're seeing today what I'm seeing today you know and I've been doing a lot of work this year I've been doing a lot of webinars I've been doing research uh, paper, writing papers working in different types of alliances and there seems to be a, a common theme that is coming through. One is that the world of business and the world of learning and development is looking at technology as though it's brand new. <laughs> and, and I've been a bit dazzled by what are we going to do? Um, so I've, I've seen a lot of people trying to make sense of that. But I've also seen a lot of learning and development professionals have been given opportunities to add incredible value. Uh, you know, a lot of the keynotes I've been doing recently, I've been doing some work in Australia, we're doing some work in America. And the question that we've been asking as well as Europe is, <clears throat> to what extent do you believe that you've added value this year? And it's probably about 400 um, organizations have kind of contributed to that. And over 70%, it went up to about 86% in, in Australia, but about 70% um, are saying, you know, the value we've been able to add back to business, to the success of our business, has been either critical or highly valuable. Very few of us who have been working have in this field have said that actually we haven't been able to add value this year. We've had roles in supporting new work practices and going remote. We've had roles in supporting management strategies and how do we work in this new world of work. We've had roles in um, looking at reskilling initiatives and opportunities. Um, incredible opportunity. And we're using some tools and technologies in new ways. But the problem is, and Fosway highlighted this is that I think it's something like three and five of us say that we're lack maturity in our use of these. We're kind of 
taking the opportunity. We're getting lots of orders in. Help me do this. Help me do this. Help me do this. And we're taking a course mentality, putting it onto Zoom and keeping our fingers crossed. And that worries me because maturity matters. You know, since 2001, we did that study that flagged the importance of maturity and really adding lasting value back into business. And that means going beyond the course, going beyond the program. It goes into how an organization learns, how a team learns. You know, it means breaking down silos with other people professionals and working on business problems together it means not just giving courses but creating opportunities and safety you mentioned earlier jane for mastery you know these are the things that we've learnt over the years these are the things that the evidence is giving us now in terms of the way that people learn and connect and the way that communities grow and change together and the way that organizations learn this is our moment to be able to leverage the successes that we've had to set to give us safety and permission to say now it's time for us to take our business model to the next level and that i think is the incredible opportunity for learning and development in 2020 um, and it's one of the reasons i've kind of teamed up with michelle and shannon to look at the emerging stronger um, not, it started as a podcast series but the themes that came up you know, we're extending through into next year as well in terms of um, how do we do that? How do we tackle challenges today as learning professionals with new business models, with new thinking, with new lenses on the problem in order to take advantage of the opportunities that we've been given this year and, and make sure that we can redefine who we are moving forward to increase that value. Laura, I'm so interested in what you're saying. I think, you know, you're always doing the most incredible work. And, you know, how I describe you is, you know, um, when you're out there, you know, really distilling the best advice for people because you always look far and wide, which is great. One of the challenges is for L&D so I hear them saying a lot, we've added value, we've added value. But as somebody who goes in and audits, and I don't always like to use that word, but that is effectively analyzes, audits, goes in and say, OK, you say you're doing this. Show me some proof. Are we seeing proof of what people are saying now then? Because you're saying that, you know, on average, 70 percent of people are saying we've had a critical value this year. What I'm saying is one minute we're imposters, one minute we're on the side of Dunning-Kruger. What side is that on? Is there proof? <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, Jane, I wouldn't be me if I didn't follow up that question with the audience. <laughs> of course, of course, of course. Um, because you, you know, me well. you know, because you know, my philosophy about research and the way that we ask questions—it's not about market research; it's about using it to reflect. So I did ask the question, say, well, how are you judging the value that you are offering? And it kind of, I was looking at it because I was um, working on a hypothesis um, or about a value continuum at the moment, which I have written about, which I'm, I'm happy to share with you and your listeners. But this concept of our value um, being looked at in a number of different ways. And if I kind of quickly run, run through this and then answer your question, if I may. Of course. Um, one, is, one is about activity you know typically we're very we, we track our activity you know our happy sheets our test results our uh, the way that people are connecting uh, through with um what we're doing and you know are they active are they turning up 
yeah <laughs> yeah that type of thing um, another is around about efficiency which is about are we delivering more for less are we using more resources you know and you know, and we still very are very active in looking at those two and a lot of people say well we were successful because of that it then moves on to this year the hot one you've seen it i know Jo engagement oh yeah how many people have rated it oh by the way i love your rating system on your podcast so cool with the little arrows and the zooms and everything else i love that but yeah how do we how do we rate how do we engage um are people connected are they engaged with what we're doing but then i'm seeing some more interesting things that will tell work on his l10 model about how useful people their intent to use something and that was something that uh, when I started and we worked on together the um, learning landscape work that we did you know it what was important to people is how useful that experience is. is is it timely is it relevant and starting to track that and starting to track how they're applying or how they're intending to apply and then at the other end of the scale we're looking at performance are people able to do a critical task better and also I would call culture, you know, the extent to which we are supporting the way we used to call it shared responsibility in that first transformation curve um, study that we did, but that the way that we are supporting an organization to be agile. Now, the last two, that culture and, and performance, I, I class as business value, the starting point of business, all of the rest, all of the rest are learning value. They're all about, can we prove that what we did might have been helpful? <laughs> and so my, my view is, is that most of us are in the learning value. We do something and we keep our fingers crossed and we hope, whether it's activity, efficiency or whatever, that at least it was helpful. For me, if we move to business value, the business value, if we start business value, we're then saying, okay, what, what might need, we need to do in order to address this? And we start with that problem. And sometimes it might not be anything to do with L&D. It might be a change of process or a system or the way a team is working or you know, restructuring an organization. But when we start with business value, it then allows us to look at what we do with the end in mind. We've talked about this forever every report towards maturity ever did and the report that you did under um, emerald works it's always about starting with the end in mind but it's the attitude of starting with the end in mind because we don't know whether or not we're going to be successful it's a gross mindset attitude when we start with business value it's a business value mindset it's like not yet let's experiment let's work together let's use the evidence available to come up with something that will help us deal with the business problem but historically to your point jane we're actually talking most of the time in learning value, which is often a fit more of a fixed mindset. I've done this. I want to be validated. I hope to be validated. I'm looking for a way to be validated. And I personally think we've got to shift that around completely in order to liberate ourselves to become the true value curators that we've had the potential to be. Absolutely. And I, I love the idea of this value continuum, Laura, and I, I think sharing it with listeners would, would be great. I think the other challenge to put on the table before you and I start looking um, and you know, getting in this amazing time machine after we've had another sip of our, uh, our wonderful coffee this morning is that, you know, we are sitting at a time where the reskilling challenge is so significant that is grounding a lot of people. Yeah. Workplace bullying is on the rise, in particular, 
um, for, for, for women and people that are more vulnerable that you would call in, in a workplace. We are sitting at a time where um, apprentices have been furloughed, which is unbelievable even made redundant. We are sitting at a time where over $400 billion per year, according to Statistica, is spent in the learning and development space. We're still having trouble defining business value rather than learning value. And so there's an awful lot of stuff going on, but the difference that it's making is becoming um, less apparent we're less able to find that business value. You know, we've got health and well-being challenge. I could be going on and on. So for me, the, the, the real challenge for the organisational development, learning and development industry is to really look at this business value from a different perspective. Yeah. If we are going to dive into learning, we have to be able to prove that people are more employable whether that is within our own organisation, whether that is externally. And we shouldn't be scared that people may want to move on because we're moving to work environments that are less full-time employed um, modelled, if we want to talk about a model. They need to be much more adaptive yeah. and flexible and, and how the two. L&D do still not look after the over 45s. The report that I put out earlier this year, very little budget is spent on the over 45s. Very little budget is spent on the vulnerable in our workplaces it is still spent on the same people and the same money is being spent over and over again yeah. on the same groups of people yeah and we need to you know talking about looking things through different lenses yeah um, we've got to sit here and go we have a nine in ten need for reskilling the government are now yeah. stepping in to provide funding for this yeah so that's not good enough, is it? We've got a pool. Exactly. I spent uh, the last report that I just released, it's actually came out a couple of weeks ago. It's re-looking at learning as a benefit. And Jane, I had the most incredible opportunity to work with Uber, who are looking at the people in the gig economy. No one's got a contract. They're not workers. They work with the platform. Obviously, we all know the model. But what Uber have done is that they have invested as part of their Uber Pro initiative, you know, to support drivers and to create loyalty, is to create learning opportunities, to team up with, um, in the UK, it's with the Open University to say that, you know what, as an Uber Pro driver, you can, we will sponsor someone through a degree program with you you know with you and it could be a member of your family and you know working with the drivers you know and and finding out from the drivers what that meant to them what it meant to them because they didn't have opportunities what it meant to the organization of uber to be able to create that environment where they believed in their workers but it has implications and we also looked at Novartis at the same time we were doing again something a little bit uh, not not the same but they were also looking at a curiosity within their own organization as well but both of this has come down from the top this this learning opportunity to create learning chances for people who haven't had them before is significant in terms of adding business value back to those organizations and it is supported by the CEOs and small businesses need to be thinking about this as well it's not just let's it wasted money this is about creating loyalty it's about sparking innovation it's about creating new ideas and new models from the um, people that are working within your within your ecosystem and it demands change from business leaders from learning leaders it demands change from policy 
as well and we, we, we looked at a lot of these sorts of issues you know government policy needs to really be looked at in a in a fresh way organizations can't be penalized for creating learning opportunities you know as a tax a tax it's not it's not the same as driving a car being giving a company car this is about how we work together for community for society and the different roles of businesses learning leaders learning partners um, work on society and i think this is a very very significant area for us moving forward into the future it is and it's uncharted yeah. it's uncertain yeah it's unknown yeah but the opportunity is unbelievable yeah. um some of the work that i'm really proud that i've been doing recently is on just that looking at equitable ways yeah. to utilize this incredible learning resource yeah. um, of people budget all of those things that yeah. we are privileged to manage technology all yeah. of the above and how we look at what difference it can make aligned to the strategy of yeah. what this organization um, needs to be doing rather than going okay we're now spending the same kind yeah. of stuff but we're now doing it online yeah um, and, and proving that it's great to see people are really looking at areas like curiosity and whatever but you know from from my perspective Laura that proof and that evidence you know the reason that that I wanted to work with you is it, it, we've got to stop saying we can't prove this stuff because mm. I'm doing it every single day yeah. you're doing it every single day yeah uh, we've got to stop this. So let's let's believe and let's just get on and do it now. Yeah. And and if you get it wrong, fine. Let's learn and and move forward. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited about Definitely. the future. If we can learn from the past and take something new into the future, I'm excited about the future. What the future holds for learning and development. Definitely. I say to all leaders out there and managers in in learning, if you can't prove it, lose it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the challenge on the table but simply really simply you can prove it simply yeah and, and your continuum i'm sure will help people do that yeah. laura let's move forward this time machine can take us anywhere okay so i'm going to take us to 2030 here we go we arrive and we can pop the fizz open because <laughs> it'll be evening by then <laughs> <laughs> it will be evening by then. It will be evening by then. Um, we, we'll all have learnt how to um, cope with uh, crazy worlds and, and more pandemics, probably. Um, but Laura, what do you foresee? So I see for 2030 um, a, new, a really a new world of work, um, one that is adaptive, it's flexible. Um, I think this year has taught us that business models cannot be fixed. The organizations need to continue to change and to flow and adapt. Um, at the way that the humans work together next side by side with machines, not that are replaced by machines, but can combine their strengths in order to create that environment. I see that future is rushing. We're rushing headlong into that space those that will be able to embrace it will be able to thrive it will be a time of great creativity and it will be a, a time of great um flow if you like in terms of the way that we work those that aren't able to do that it is going to be heartbreaking it's because we'll be hanging on to that past and i by 2030 if we're still hanging on our fingers will be brittle our hands will be cramped 
it will be very painful to be able to hang on to fixed ways of doing things and hoping that we go back to how we used to do things. So for me, that is also reflected as learning professionals. You know, if we're able to have let go, if we're able to redefine our unique professional identity in that new world of work, I think we will find that we are not just people who've got a seat at the table, but we are a group within the organization that is seen as mission critical for everyone else who is also directing the future. It won't be that, oh, let's become a learning organization, but how do we use learning in the same way as how do we use technology? How do we use our management processes? How do we, it will be the way that we do business because we won't be able to be those flexible, adaptive organizations without helping the humans to work smarter with the robots without helping the humans to be able to tap into what makes them unique in that new world of work. And that's gonna be constant learning, unlearning, innovation. It won't be done in the classroom. Some things will be, you need to be um, injected with new thoughts and ideas, but much of it is gonna be done in that, I don't like to use the word in the flow of work, but the ability to be able to say, okay, well, how is the organization shifting and moving? And are we oiling the wheels in the right way? That means we'll be redefining what we do as learning professionals. We'll be harnessing evidence. We ourselves will be getting smarter and smarter in finding new and flexible ways of doing that. But we'll be focused on business value and we'll be focused on our own flow of work as well. So for me, I'm really hoping that we can learn in the next 10 years what we didn't learn in the 10 years after 2001. <laughs> I love it. And I, I'm with you. I'm with you on the we, we You know, we, if we believe in ourselves, we can do it. Let me ask you the question about women, Laura, because you mentioned, you know, you, you particularly uh, picked that up when we were back in, in 2001 and some of the things that you've learned as well as, as a woman. But in 2030, it's still predicted and actually it's gone backwards um, because women have um, dealt with more of the unpaid work, such as childcare, um, the stuff that's running the home and all of that stuff. Women have taken most of that um, challenge this year in particular. Um, not always, but the evidence is showing that, you know, it has impacted um, the sort of progress for women significantly. Um, so we're actually going backwards and it was predicted to be 100 years in 2020 so by 2030 we wouldn't have moved much further but how do we change that Laura what advice would you give to women who are looking to progress their career particularly in the space of you know people development um hang out with great women <laughs> <laughs> absolutely in the time machine <laughs> hang out with great women I love it you know um I, th I think this is important. I've had the most incredible opportunity over the you know, years of my career and particularly actually in the last couple of years to really be challenged by women um, and also um, to be encouraged by women. Um, I've realized that um, we collaborate differently, um, but also that is helpful because we can bring a new level of collaboration when we're working um, and you know across all genders um, it allows us to be more sensitive to that but 
I think that hanging out with good women to be encouraged and to be allowed to be challenged by them, I think is, is really important. It's been very, very valuable um, for me. I mean, I always like to challenge, challenge things and not necessarily take everything sitting down, but it's good when you find peers who really say, look, you know, Laura, that, does that really forward the cause? And I've realized I need to probably become more of an activist. I think there are some people who are very active in this, in this field and those of us who are just fighting it out from the inside. And I think when you're just fighting it out from the inside, that's when you need support, that's when you need encouragement. You can't become an activist necessarily. You can't stand up and say, I refuse to do this, you know, because if that's not you and you're having to pay your mortgage and feed your children and all of those different things, you know, we need to have sensitivity. Not every woman, in our field can become an activist but when we come to a point where maybe we can that's when we should um, and i think that you know how do we find that how do we encourage each other how do we have forgiveness for each other as women in in our field um, and so that we can build up our strengths with because everyone is in a unique context um, and i think that's going to be really important for us to be able to get that it's not all about fighting all the time Sometimes it's about supporting those who aren't in a position right now to be able to fight because we should not be making them feel guilty. Laura, what great advice there. And, you know, I love the one about being a critical friend. And, um, you know, you and I have had so many great conversations where we've been able to constructively challenge each other and, and really put stuff on the table and really have those open, transparent debates that sometimes we align, sometimes we don't. We can get under the skin about why we're seeing things differently. And that's so important, isn't it? And I think particularly for the aspect of, you know, how we support women to progress in a balanced way. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it, for me, um, I, I, I worry about some of the advice that's being given out from, from my perspective. I love the idea of activism, but it's also making sure it's done in the context of what yeah. people want and, and, yeah. uh, um, and how they want to move things forward. But yeah. I'm going to be really brave now. I'm going to take a huge gulp. Um, of this stuff and I'm going to hand the time machine my time machine over to you with mirrors in and bells and whistles and everything where are we going Laura and why I might have said 2030 uh, and for the reasons that we've just discussed but um, because we've looked at that you know what I'm going to take us back to 2018 I like it um, the reason being in 2018 I had pretty much done just under 30 years in my field of work. Learned a lot of lessons. And Jane, you'll remember this. We were looking at the data one more time, saying, why is there no progress? Why is it that we've surfaced all of the things that we could do as learning and development professionals in terms of really adding business value? Why is there no progress? And in 2018, I don't know whether you remember us doing this, but we sat down with Jenny Dixon and with um, Ghent as well from, from the research team and said, okay, well, let's completely look at our work from a different angle. Let's throw out our models. Let's throw out everything that has been defining our lenses for looking at these challenges. And what does the data say? Does it give us anything that allows us to move forward? And so I think probably one of the most significant industry pieces was that first transformation 
project that we did for you know about the s curve about letting go about identifying the fact that we need we can see our future but there are hurdles that we need to come across and one of those hurdles is ourselves we mapped it out we looked and it was simple it was simple language and it was and i think that that map that we've created at that point in time is as relevant, if not more so today, to help us get to 2030. So I don't think it's always about reinventing the wheel the whole time. Sometimes it's about taking what we've got and making it work in our new context. So that would be the year I would go back to because I think everything for me pointed to, in terms of experience, in terms of research, in terms of external evidence, that maybe there was a little glimmer of something that will get us out of our mess. And so I don't wanna, I don't think we should be throwing that out because it was pre 2020. We gotta look at what we know with, a, with an evidence informed lens and say, what, you know, let's not reinvent the wheel. Let's not go back and, you know, go back into the dark ages and then start all of this all over again because we could with the number of voices that are out there at the moment. And I'm not saying new voices aren't, aren't right, they're absolutely right. But let's make sure we take a little bit of our history into the future so that we can make it through to that vision that we saw in 2030. It certainly was a great time, Laura. It really was a significant point. And I, I agree with you. Most of the great things are not brand new anyway. Huh. So that is a huge opportunity. And that research is out there, it's open source. We'll add it to our list of, of gifts that, that you share with people. But Laura, you do so many interviews, you're on so many presentations, you know, you're so good with giving your, your time and your insights out to people, um, you really are. But tell us one thing that would surprise listeners today that you think would surprise them because I'm sure a lot of them feel like they know you. I think for me, people feel they know me, so they feel they've got me boxed. <laughs> They do, they do, yeah. Oh, there's Laura, she does, she does this. Um, and actually, probably what they don't fully realise is how curious I am. You know, how much I, I read more outside in terms of business thinking, other disciplines than I ever do about learning and development. And I think the thing that probably people don't know about me is the fact that my... Um, my thinking comes out of the overlap. You know, for me, insight is in the overlap of different disciplines. Um, and that is something people probably don't, don't realize um, about me. The, the creativity, the insight, the energy that I get in my work is through the overlap, through conversations like this. You know, oh, I hadn't, hadn't thought of it from that angle, a different perspective. Um, so yeah, don't box me in because you don't know where I'm going to be going next. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. We could never box you in. Laura, thank you so much for giving up your time today and talking to us about the new dawn, the new era that, that we're really in, in business, in OD, in learning, you know, in life, quite frankly. It really is all about understanding how we can add value um, in whatever context that that needs to be so thank you so much and i hope that you'll step into this time machine again one day soon thank you so much for having me it's been a fun journey jane <laughs> appreciate it <laughs>
<laughs> Fabulous. And uh, thank you out there to all of our listeners of this episode. Um, you know, thank you for all the feedback that you've been giving. Keep that coming. There's lots more podcasts, articles, research reports, and experts to explore on people who know. Don't forget to sign up to the marketplace and the network and the community. It's all about community. Let's do this together. There isn't one book, one person, one area of of the world, one governing body around the world that can do this. We've got to change work for the better together. Thank you.